All right. Well, come let us adore him. Again, that's our heart this Christmas season is that together as God's people, we would adore Jesus, that we would get our eyes on Jesus and beautiful things happen uh, when we do that. When we look at the one God who became a man and see him for all that he is. He's glorious. He's incredible. And just I pray that he'll stir up uh, great affection in your heart. Love that video. It's a good video. Loads and loads of Instagram photos, photos that maybe Mary and Joseph, had they had a smartphone, would have taken on the route uh, from uh, Nazareth to, to Bethlehem. Can you picture Mary with a selfie stick on a donkey and saying, hey, Joseph, get in here. Uh, that would have been pretty, pretty funny. But the thing I love about Instagram is uh, it holds for me my best photos, my, uh, some of my favorite moments. I know some people say, oh, it's just phony because we just put our best up there. But of course we put our best up there. These are the ones that we want to keep. These are the ones that we want to uh, remember. And so I, I like from time to time just to scroll back through Instagram and, and see some of my favorite moments, uh, photos of when my kids were younger, uh, a stellar date night with my wife when my son Isaiah won the, the championship for baseball, when my Luca man and I went and uh, went snowboarding, uh, went to a Red Sox game with my little girly, or just, just beautiful moments with us as a church family. And so just, I, I love that. I love going back through and, and thinking. It just brings, uh, again, brings a smile to my face. But that being said, I, I personally think it's worth it uh, to, to, to work hard to get a really good photo, right? I mean, I'm, anybody with me? Like, you're like, forget about it. If, it, if it's going to be stressful, I don't care about the photo. I think it's worth it to work hard to get a, a good photo. Anybody have to work hard before to get yourself a really nice photo? Maybe it's the, uh, the, the family gathering where you had to get a good photo or you're at this, this spot that was, the view's beautiful, but you just couldn't get the right angle, so you have to get your phone perched up on the ledge there. You have to bust out the, the selfie stick or whatever. You, 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 you get a good photo, and I think it's, it's worth the work. There was this one particular time, however, with my family where uh, it was Thanksgiving. This was last year's attempt at a family Christmas photo, and it was Thanksgiving, and my wife really wanted to have a good photo for our card, and, and so uh, she recruited uh, her, her brother, my brother-in-law, to, to come up with us to Mount Holyoke College out in Western Mass near where uh, she grew up, and, uh, and, and hey, Robert, would you take a really good photo for our, our family? She picked out outfits for the kids. Uh, she, she got it all situated. She knew the spot we were going to do it, but for whatever reason, our kids just were not having it. You've been there? Uh, our oldest was just feeling goofy. Our, our little one was upset with the big brothers. Uh, Luca was distracted, as he always is. I was just a perfect, supportive husband in the matter. And uh, Becky was just unbelievably frustrated. And the photo, it just came out terrible. It's not the photo we used. It's not the one you got for your Christmas card uh, last year. But my brother-in-law did get this one photo in the in-between, so just, it just kind of captured the moment. And so if we can just take a look at this photo, I think you'll enjoy this. Yeah, that's, that's what was going on in that. And it never, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was fun. Uh, Becky's working really hard to get the, the photo. Uh, my oldest is uh, looking demon-possessed. Nora is huffing and puffing, and Luca is checking out his belly, uh, his six-pack. And uh, me, again, look how supportive I am. I'm like, Luca, you need to put your, your, shirt, your shirt down. And I, I thought I'd wear that shirt again today just to remind you of... Uh, but I will say that when you get a good photo, it's, it's, it's worth it. When you capture the moment, there was uh, the summer, uh, a couple summers ago, family went up to Vermont to Stowe, 
And uh, we had heard while we were up there with a bunch of extended family that there was this amazing waterfall at, at Smuggler's Notch. And so we had to, you just had to get there. You got to see this thing. And so I said, I gathered some people who would come with me. I said, let's go. And we do, do this crazy hike uh, down into the, the gorge and we find this waterfall. And I'm telling you, it was awesome. I climb up this cliff and I get somebody to get a, a video of me jumping off the cliff beside the waterfall into the the, the water at the, the bottom. And just being able to, to look at that video and, and relive that moment, totally, totally worth it. Now here's the thing, we had some family members who were feeling lazy and they're like, eh, you guys go, have a good time. Uh, yeah, we're just gonna stay back here at the lodge. And when we come back, we have all these stories. We're showing them the video of the awesome time. And they, you could tell they immediately knew that they had missed out. Like, had I known just how awesome it would, I would have I totally, I totally would have gone. And, and, and here's, here's my heart for you this Christmas season. My heart for, for you this Christmas season is that you wouldn't miss out. That, that God says, I want you to get in on on the, the photo. I don't know what your past experiences were like, but I want you to get in on this moment. I want these stories that we hear about in the Christmas season to be, to be your story and not just somebody else's story, but God wants you in on it too. So, so don't miss out. That's, that's really the heart uh, this Christmas season for all of us, that we get our eyes on Jesus and, and we'd be a part of it as we just are, are in awe of who he is. And, and so Matthew chapter 2 is, is where we're going to be this morning. If you have a Bible, you can get on over there. I will put it on the screen for you. But this is a story of the wise men. This is a story of, of the Magi, the, the three kings who, who traveled far to see the baby king, to worship him. These guys said, hey, we don't want to miss out at all costs. We are going to get there. We're going to be a part of this. We want to be in the moment. We want to be at the, the nativity. And so I just want to take some time together to read the, the story together if we, if we can, beginning in verse 1. This is just I love this story. Let's read it together. Chapter 2, verse 1 of Matthew says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod, the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea. For so it is written by the prophet, then they quote the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them, what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. When you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. And after listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy." And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. And then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now, I want to recap this just to make sure we captured everything that's happening here. Jesus is born in Bethlehem. This is not where his 
his parents are from. They're from Nazareth, but because of the census, they had to go all the way out to, to Bethlehem, kind of the place of their origin, uh, to be registered. And uh, there was no room, you know, the story. And so they were able to stay in a stable, uh, manger, the whole deal, animals, right? And, and apparently, they decided to remain in Bethlehem. Maybe they had family there uh, rather than having to return quickly back to Nazareth, the hometown. They, they decided to stay. I mean, moms in the room, would you have been up for hiking a, a few hundred miles like right after having a baby? Yeah, I didn't think so. And so they decided to stay. And, and now fast forward and we're up to maybe two years later. And then the wise men and the kings from the east show up to the capital city, not far from Bethlehem, the capital city of Jerusalem. And, and they're asking where the king of the Jews was supposed to be born because they followed a star that led them uh, to Jerusalem. And they say, hey, we, we've come. We want to worship him. Now, Herod is the occupying uh, ruler, the Roman king over the Jews and he was a megalomaniac I mean, he just built buildings all the time just to flex his, his power he was insecure he was kind of running scared and so this is kind of how he compensated you know small man big truck kind of deal that was, that was Herod he, he asks where is the, the, the king of the Jews supposed to be born the Messiah where, where is he going to be born he asked the people of Israel and, and they said oh yeah that's obvious Micah chapter 5 verse 2 he's going to be born in Bethlehem and so Herod arranges a special meeting with the wise men the, the the kings from the east, and he says, hey, hey fellas, uh, we're on the same page here. Would you, would you do me a, a favor, and uh, when you find the, wor- the, the, the king, worship him, and come back and tell me exactly where he is so that I can murder, I mean, worship him, right? That, that's what he says. I want to I worship him, and so the, the wise men leave, and as they leave, the, the star emerges again, and they follow the stars. It moves, and it lands above the place where uh, the, the child was at it rests over the home and they're obviously no longer in the 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 stable any longer they're in some kind of home situation the star rests there and it says when they see the star resting over the home they rejoice they are ecstatic and and on this joy sunday for for advent we hear that they rejoice exceedingly with great joy i love that now, just a side thing, when I, I, I coach a lot of guys in like learning how to preach newer, newer guys who are newer to preaching, and, and one thing I, I see them oftentimes do to try to convey their excitement is they just tack on like lots of adjectives to things. I'm like, you've got to figure out a way to be excited without like just adding five adjectives onto to what you're saying, like convey your excitement with the story. Or, and, and so here though, I just hear rejoice exceedingly with great joy. I mean, it's just boom, 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 boom. Just, but it was, they're just so overwhelmed they're just so excited and full of joy that they are a part of this moment and so they go into the home and they find the child uh, Jesus and and Mary and what does it say that they do says that they immediately they fall down and they begin to to worship him and then present to him these costly gifts and then they just have this, this sweet moment together. And I wish I could know more, but God gives us in the scriptures exactly what we need to know. But it's this long-awaited moment where these guys who have traveled from far off finally come to, to Jesus. The story goes on that then right after that, God gives them a dream, letting them know, here's what Herod's up to. He's jealous. He's not coming to worship. He's coming to kill. And so they never go back to Herod, who was going to, to kill Jesus, and they go about their way. Now, one of the beautiful realities of the Christmas story is that 
the narrative of the coming of God to earth as a man, it gives for all of us kind of foretastes of things that are to come. And one of the things that God is showing us that he's up to is that he's, he's fulfilling his promise to bring all the people of the world into his his plan, his purpose, his, his mission. Psalm 67, Psalm 47, let the people praise you, all the peoples, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Sing praises to our king. Sing praises for God is the king of all the earth. Right? It's repeated multiple times in the scriptures for us to know that God's plan all along was not just for Israel, not just for those people, but for the entire world to get in on his plan and, and, and people from all over the globe are now beginning to be brought in as we see these wise men come from afar. Now, what the people of Israel had done is they had turned uh, what we read in the Old Testament inward on themselves. It's just all about us. They became very ethnocentric because they were, of course, were God's people, right? We are God's chosen nation. But was that what it was? I mean, was it God chose them because of something innately good in them? No, he didn't choose them because they were extra special. He chose them because of his choosing, because it was his decision. He loves them, and, and he wants to, to, to use them as a kingdom of priests so that people of the whole world could know the message of Jesus. He was going to set them apart and raise Jesus up from this people, not so that it would just be Israel to be saved, but the whole world could be saved, that they were to be agents of joy, agents of peace, agents of hope. Right? That was the plan for Israel and with the wise men we begin to see that it's starting to happen. Now, from the Bible, what do we know about the wise men? Not really much, do we? We don't know a whole lot about the wise men. Uh, Matthew chooses to call them magi or wise men, meaning astrologers or, or philosophers or, or even uh, priests in a, in a sense from other lands. We, we don't even know for sure that there were three of them. We speculate that there were three because there were these three gifts. We know that they're from the east, and so because they're from the east, they're maybe Babylonians or maybe, maybe Arabs. Uh, many scholars would say, hey, they're Babylonians because, remember, long before uh, Israel had been taken captive and brought all the way out to to, to Babylon, and that's where uh, God raised up his, his man, Daniel, in that day. And, and so perhaps these people got a hold of some of the writings of Daniel and, 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 and the prophecies of Daniel and came looking for the Messiah as they saw the star. Maybe that's how they understood. Others would say, no, 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 they're, they're Arabs because of the gifts that they bring. If you look at the gifts that they bring, uh, these gifts would have come from uh, the southern tip of the Arabian desert, uh, and, and maybe they did that. You think about the the, the, the Queen of Sheba. And that story, you remember that story where they, the Queen of Sheba brought those spices and gold to, to Solomon? Uh, and so the, the southern tip of uh, the Arabian desert was Sheba or Yemen today. And, and so perhaps that's where they came from. Whether it was Arab or, or Babylon or, or Sheba or somewhere else. What I, what I really want us to see, what I really think we need to see here this morning is that they came from far away. If Babylon... 500 plus miles away. If uh, Sheba, Yemen, 1,000 plus miles away. Why? To see a toddler. Hello? I mean, that 1,000 plus miles to see a, a toddler. We think he was maybe up to two at this point because uh, Herod uh, did a little bit of the research and found out the timing. And, and so he said, we're going to kill the children Boys two years old and younger, right? So he, he's probably somewhere around 
two years old and, and they come thousand plus miles to see potentially a, a toddler. That's, that's a lot. That, that was a, a big deal in their minds just to see this, this boy, to give him gifts and to worship him. We're talking about weeks, if not months of travel that's involved. We're talking about dangerous condition, both the, the, the weather, uh, bandits, especially knowing that uh, the, the cost of the gifts that they had with them, it, it involved for them leaving family and friends behind. I, mean, I, have, I have trouble leaving my family for a weekend to go preach somewhere else. I mean, that's, that's tough for me. I mean, months to leave family behind. It involved uh, the discomforts of travel. Some of you like, hey, I have a tough time sleeping in a bed that's not my own bed, right? And it, months of, of, of travel, the cost of travel. We could go on and on and on about all the inconveniences, everything that was involved here. But what I want you to see is that these guys subjected themselves to great difficulty, to great risk, to tremendous cost. Why? Because they didn't want to miss out. Because they, they wanted to be in that moment. They wanted to be in that, that photo. They wanted to be there to adore Jesus. And, and for these particular Men, the work was worth the worship. All the work that was entailed was worth it for that moment of worshiping Jesus. I think that if we were to interview these guys, if we were able to sit down and say, hey, was it worth it? Based on their response, they would have said, yeah, absolutely. It was absolutely worth it. Verse 2 says that they came all that way to worship. So was it worth it? Verse 10, when they saw the star, they, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Verse 11, when they saw the child, they, they immediately fell down. They were, they were wild. So you've got these sophisticated kings, these brilliant astrologers, these wealthy travelers on the floor before a toddler. The only time I've ever been on the floor for a toddler was cleaning up their mess underneath a high chair. I mean, they are, they are on the floor for a toddler. Now, there are sometimes when, when I, I, I see things that I think my kids will be interested in, and I'll say, hey, guys, come here, come here. And they'll, they'll drop what they're doing, and they'll, they'll come over. And, and, and sometimes what will happen is just not as cool as I made it out to be. So they'll come over, and they'll go, oh, dad. And they'll go back to YouTube, right? I mean, it's just not nearly as good. But for these guys, it was absolutely worth dropping what they were doing and coming and, and, and seeing, seeing the, the Lord. It's totally, totally worth the work. Now, I want to be really clear with all of us. I want to be really clear. The gift of Jesus, right standing with God through Jesus, is totally free. You do not work to earn God's favor. You can never be good enough. My question is always, how good is good enough? Do you think God wants you to spend your whole life hoping that I'm good enough to please him? Hoping that when he, he sees me at those pearly gates, he says, you're good, but just barely. No, I don't think he wants that. It's pretty clear in the scripture that we can know, that we know, that we know that we're in right standing with God because we place faith, trust in Jesus, totally free. He's done the work. It was his righteousness for our unrighteousness, his perfect life for our sinful life, his sacrifice on the cross for our insufficient, uh, insufficient sacrifices that, that we try to give. Jesus is totally free. And I believe that the wise men had done that. They, they'd already been at a place where they've placed faith in God. I mean, you don't travel a thousand plus miles to who, know where, who, who knows where without faith in your heart. 
There, there's faith in their heart. That seed is, is there. But after that faith is now in their heart, it comes at a cost. And I, and I have to be clear because we're very much a grace people. We're very much a grace people. What can often happen is we can swing the pendulum so far because of the work side over here that people think they need to earn right standing with God. We can swing the pendulum so far as a grace people that people come to say, oh, well, then Jesus costs nothing. Now, following Jesus is very costly. Following Jesus comes at great risk. Following Jesus comes with difficulty, with with cost, we have to count the cost. We have to say, I understand that somebody died for me and I want to live my life for him. Following Jesus is not easy, but the question is, is it worth it? Getting yourself around Jesus, getting yourself in proximity with Jesus is, is so worth it. For, for us, the risk it may be, you know, it could be a variety of things. It may be for you, I, I've placed faith in Jesus, it's free, but now the, the cost that comes with that is ridicule from family. We've got people in our body today who their family think they're just complete fools because they follow Jesus. Some people, maybe for, for, for you, the, the, the risk is just difficulty at, at work. You know, people just taking jabs at you. You really believe in that? You might as well believe in, in, in unicorns and, and the tooth fairy. Some of us, maybe the cost is our pride. Coming to a place where you realize, like, I, I can't do life on my own. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm incapable of saving myself. I have to humble myself. And whatever, whatever the cost is for you, for, for the wise men, the, the worship was worth the work. And, and for me in my life, the, the worship, being with Jesus and knowing him and, and adoring has totally been worth the, the, the work. And I, I know many of your stories in here and you would say, yeah, the, the worship has been worth the, the work. Being with Jesus and adoring Jesus and knowing Jesus and falling at his feet and, and having clarity as to who it is that I'm supposed to fix my life on, uh, how I'm supposed to live, where I'm supposed to go, how I'm supposed to spend my money, how I'm supposed to exert my passion and my effort. Having that clarity, absolutely worth it. And, and yet, to get those ongoing moments with him can be kind of tough, can't it? Especially in the Christmas season. How ironic is that? Especially in, in the Christmas season. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 3.18 is a passage that we just, around here a lot, we, we look at a lot. It's so, so important. And for us, it kind of really helped us birth this Christmas focus. Come let us adore him. And I just want to read it to you. Here's what it says. Paul says, And we all with unveiled face, because today as, as, as followers of Jesus, we can see clearly, we understand the story. We all with, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Here, here's what it's saying. Because of what God has done, because of of, of the work of the Spirit within our hearts, we can now see Jesus and we can now know Jesus and we can understand him with unveiled face clearly. And as we, as we look at him, it says we are being, this is certainty, we are being transformed. We're, we're, we're being transformed, we're being changed from one degree 
of glory, to the next degree of glory, to the next degree of glory, that every time you get your eyes on Jesus, you are being changed. And it may be a really massive degree, or it may be just incremental small degrees. I think the, the, the early changes of you seeing Jesus are, are probably some of the most massive degrees of change in your life. Would you agree? It's kind of like a younger child. Uh, they, they change a lot faster, right? It's amazing, you know, going to family holidays and, and seeing the kids and say, oh my word, you've grown so much. Well, nobody's going to see me in a year later and say, wow, you, you're, you're so much taller, Josh. No, it doesn't, you don't change as an adult as much as you do as a child, right? And so sometimes those degrees of glory are, are, are bigger when we're newer to Jesus. And then the, the ongoing degrees of glory, just a little bit of change, but every time we get our eyes on Jesus, Jesus. There, there's life change that's taking place nonetheless. So what's the natural response then? Knowing that reality of one degree of glory to the next that comes with every glimpse of Jesus. The, the natural response is I want to get as many glimpses of Jesus as I possibly can. I want to do whatever I can to be around Jesus and to see Jesus. I want to get in front of him as often as as I can. And again, how ironic is it that in the midst of the Christmas season, I mean, it's all about Him. Christ must. It's named after Him. But yet, in the midst of the Christmas season, of all seasons, it can be so hard to slow down and to look at Him. It can be hard work to carve out time and to behold Him. It can be hard work to, to be with Him. It can be hard work to reprioritize and adjust our, our priorities. But listen, I promise you that as you do that, you will not be disappointed. Like the wise men who clearly were not disappointed. They fell to their knees. They rejoiced exceedingly with, with great joy. They were in awe. That has been our prayer for every single one of us. Our prayer for you has been that you, in this Christmas season, would get as many glimpses of Jesus as you can. Like Instagram photo after Instagram photo after Instagram photo after Instagram photo. The, 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 the collage of photos just reminding us that everything that we see can point us to Jesus if we let it. We love using things like this to, to help point us to Jesus. We love using good photos to, to help remind us of, of the grace of God. We love looking at the, the sunset and the sunrise to remind us of, of the one who hangs the sun in, in the sky. We, we love to, to, to look at little children and, and, and babies and, and be reminded of, of God became a baby. I love the Christmas season when we get a present and we're reminded not about the, the Legos that are inside, but we're reminded of the fact that Jesus is the greatest gift. I love going on early morning morning runs when it's still dark outside and I purposely now I'm weaving to hit the roads that I know have the most amount of Christmas lights and I do and that as I'm running I'm squinting my eyes and just reminded of the 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 angels that filled the sky and the blur of the lights and how they must have just been they were singing about the good news of Jesus there are so many things that God has put in our world that if we let it can remind us of Jesus can help give us glimpses of Jesus, obviously his word, obviously singing songs about him, obviously being engaged in, in the church, but even pulling out a, a wallet and being reminded, this, is not, this money is not my own. I, I, I can sacrifice under the example of Jesus who sacrificed it all. I mean, we could just go on and on that if we let it, just about everything, everything is, is given for us to be able to worship. 
everything that God has given us on this earth. Scripture says every good gift is from above. And every good gift is designed not just to give us like a, wow, this gift is awesome, but to be reminded of the giver of the gift, to be reminded of God who is a gift giver. And so if we allow it, everything this Christmas season can point us to Jesus. Everything can point, even the negative stuff, the bad stuff that happens. We can be reminded of the brokenness of humanity and that there is a God who says, I am making all things new and there will come a day when heaven will meet earth and they'll collide and the old things will pass away. It's, it's coming. Everything can point us to Jesus. And so my, my, my practical challenge for all of us this morning is this week, would you, would you take some practical steps towards getting before Jesus? Would you take some practical steps this week to say, I'm going to allow this particular moment to, to, to cause me to get my eyes on Jesus. I'm going to allow this particular family gathering. I'm going to, I'm going to allow holding my, my child. I'm going to allow reading my Bible. I'm going to allow, allow lighting of candles. I'm going to allow whatever it may be. I'm going to allow these things to point me to Jesus that I can come and adore Jesus. God wants every single one of you to be able to adore him and to enjoy him and be transformed as you behold him time and time and time and time again. People will occasionally, you know, make a correction about the nativity scene that has a wise man in it. You know, well, you know, technically speaking, the wise men were not actually there on that evening because the wise men came up to maybe two years later. And, and so technically speaking, they shouldn't even be in the nativity set. And I kind of think, come on, cut these guys some slack, right? I mean, these, these fellows traveled across the known world to be with Jesus. I mean, they're the guy that, that, that they, grab the, they grab the camera, they, they put it on 10-second on timer, and then they run around and at the last second pop in the photo but they're not even smiling in the photo because they're out of breath because they had to make the run they just barely got in just let them be in the nativity scene right I mean come on they 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 work so hard I mean I don't think I don't think for any of us in this room God is looking at you and saying sorry you're too late Uh uh-uh can't get in on this I don't think for anybody in this room God is saying you know what you have plenty of time you have plenty of opportunity to, to worship me. No, God says you're here right now because I'm giving you the opportunity to bend your knee, to fall before Jesus, to submit your life and to submit your heart to Jesus. It's before every single one of you. Every time we look at the nativity scene, whether it's set up outside a church or on the Boston Common or, or on a table in your dining room or wherever it is, I, I want you just to be reminded of the odd cast of characters and how perfect that is in God's economy. I mean, you've got an angel and angels. So you have heavenly beings worshiping Jesus. You've got humans. You've got earthly beings worshiping Jesus. You've got, of the humans, people from different social uh, economic brackets. You've got Mary and Joe, blue-collar worker people. You've got the shepherds who were, were unclean socially, spiritually, literally. You've got the wise men who are, are dignitary. But they're, but they're all bowing down to Jesus. But they're all, every, every nativity scene is centered on Jesus. They're all gathered around Jesus. They've all come to adore Jesus. And we've got different characters who, who kind of got in on it at different seasons, right? 
different characters who have been worshiping Jesus for, for different lengths of time. The, the angels from the beginning of history, of course, we knew this, this was coming, right? And so, of course, they're worshiping Jesus. And then you got Mary and Joseph who, who've been waiting for the Messiah and then had nine months to prepare for the Messiah specifically to come. You got the shepherds who have long been excluded and felt like God doesn't want me. Maybe that's where you're at. You, you feel like I've, God doesn't want me and God say, nope, shepherds, shepherds. You got the wise men. I mean, they're brand new and in a sense kind of late, right? Two years behind the big, big day, fellas. But this is part of God's plan the whole time. Listen, God makes no mistakes. Some of you, you've been following Jesus for a while and, and maybe God's stirring up your heart and saying, you need to you center your life on Jesus again. You recalibrate your heart. Some of you, you're brand new to Jesus. And Jesus says, welcome, I'm glad you're here. You're not too late. Some of you, you should have known, but you didn't. Whatever your story is, God says, here's what matters, is that today you center your life around the manger. That today you center your heart around Jesus, and it changes everything. Because as you behold the Lord, you are being transformed from one degree of glory to the next. And So I know we've got, what, eight days left of the Christmas season, but can we... Let's use these eight days as a catalyst for 2018 being a year of adoring Jesus like we've never adored him before. Let's let this next week or so be a catalyst for lives that are just so centered on Jesus, for, for lives that just celebrate his goodness and his grace, for lives that fall before him and say, I submit my life to you. You gave it all for me, Jesus. You became a man, God, and, and took on flesh, Jesus of Nazareth. You lived perfectly, sinlessly, undeserving of the wages of sin, which is death, but you died because you love me and you died because you wanted to take upon your, your shoulders on the cross a sacrifice for my sin. God did that for you and he invites you in. And so as we respond, I, I just I pray that God will stir up your heart and that you would just behold him in this moment and, and, and this next week and this next year. We would be a people who are just beholding Jesus and worshiping him exceedingly great joy in our heart. Would you guys close your eyes for just a moment? I'd like to invite our, our church family to close their eyes at the end of our time looking at the scripture, not because there's anything particularly spiritual about closing your eyes, but because I just want to get distractions out of the way. There's movement in the room going on now as the band comes up to the front, but I, would you just take a moment to, to think about your own life and where you're at? As you think about where you're at, know that, that God is so glad that you're here today. And in fact, I believe that the sovereign hand of God has orchestrated things so that you're here today to hear this message, to be reminded that life is all about Jesus. And that if you would center your heart and your life on Jesus, it changes everything. And so God, I pray that you would transform hearts this morning as, as they fix their eyes on you. And God, I pray that you would help us in this next week to take practical steps towards looking at you and being reminded of your grace to us that God became a man, lived and died for us and resurrected as king. That we be in awe of you 
And God, if there's anybody here today who they've never given their life to Jesus, I pray that in this moment, you would do a deep work in their heart. You would give them that, that seed of faith that they don't understand everything, kind of like the wise men. They didn't understand everything. But they stepped out in faith so they could come and adore Jesus. And God, I pray that you would do that in the hearts of my friends today who don't know Jesus, that right now they would meet you. And you would change their hearts, transform them, new creatures, people who follow Jesus, a Christian. So God, as we respond now, be honored in the various ways that we respond. We'll be careful to give you all the glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.